0: What up? It's your girl, Kimberly Elaine, and welcome to the Chronic Abilities Podcast. Now, according to Urban Dictionary, ill is a term to mean cool, dope, or something of a positive nature. So I'm going to flip this chronic illness term upside down, where just because you are ill doesn't mean you can't be dope. Today, I am going to bring you a one of the most amazing people i have ever met i have known this woman since i was 14. i'm 33 now and for those years she's been a constant source of inspiration hope and just love and so i cannot wait to bring you this podcast today i'm going to introduce you to an amazing friend and we're going to talk about life here we go Hello, you guys. I am with the most gorgeous, beautiful, fierce woman in the whole planet. Her name is Shelly. Hello, Shelly. Hi. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> and we are here today to talk about... What are we going to talk about today?
1: We're going to talk about health issues and being chronic illness warriors. All ooh. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's just dive right into it. Shelly, tell me a little bit about yourself just like as a person. Um,
1: I'm a 34-year-old lady from the Midwest up here in Fargo. Ooh, ooh. I work part-time because I can't work full-time. We'll get into that a little bit more. I used to be a DJ, so I do like attention and I'm very <laughs> thankful to be on this podcast right now. <laughs> yes,
0: I'm so excited to have you. Let's just dive right into it. Okay, so Shelly, tell me a little bit about your, you know, your health journey and your diagnosis.
1: Well, unlike a lot of people, my health issues started setting in quite young, actually. Um, It took a lot of time to get doctors to do proper testing, being that I was so young, I heard a lot of, oh, you're too young for that. You're Mm -hmm. too young. Long story short, my three big trouble issues that I have, I have fibromyalgia, Mm -hmm. I have Crohn's disease. And I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, oh. but Crohn's and fibromyalgia. I think on my day-to-day pain scale basis, those are the two most wicked ones I deal with. Mm, I can't imagine like dealing with all of that.
0: And you know, those words can kind of thrown around like, oh, fibromyalgia. This doctors don't. I feel like don't really take that diagnosis to heart and really understand you know the patient. Right. I think
1: there are a lot of doctors that a still don't believe in fibromyalgia. B, don't understand it fully, and C, if you have other complaints or issues going on with you, they don't know how that may or may not actually play into the fact that you have a fibromyalgia diagnosis. Mm. So it's really important to find a doctor who actually understands the disease itself. Okay, so speaking of doctors, what were you first diagnosed with? Well, originally, the doctors thought that I had rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. because my pain levels were very high on a consistent basis. I had a lot of swollen joints and hand swelling issues, Um, but it ended up turning out that while still an autoimmune disease, I did not have rheumatoid arthritis. I had... Crohn's disease, which had been unchecked for so long, the inflammation from my Crohn's gave me arthritis. So I have Crohn's with arthritic complications, as they call it. Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) a lot going on. The fact that they missed it like that? Yeah, well, how they found what they thought was rheumatoid arthritis was by doing a blood test. Um, And you know, the blood test, the results come back with a high inflammatory marker or your sedimentation rate of your blood cells. Mm -hmm. That was off the chart, but since at that time what was presenting and why I went to the doctor to complain was hand trouble and a lot of hand pain Mm. and issues with typing at the job I had and stuff at the time, they thought the disease must have been localized to my hands. I had all the inflammation markers and other markers that would indicate that I had an autoimmune disease hands, autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, makes enough sense. Except I saw four different doctors who all confirmed that same diagnosis. And it took one doctor telling me, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis, to actually kick the door open for the rest to do more discovery versus just, we got this test, we got this, we understand. Okay, that's what it is. Nobody bothered to double-check results or to dig further at any point before that doctor, and that's how we really got on course. What kind of
0: doctors did you see, and then what type of doctor actually diagnosed you? Because some people see their family doctors, some people see, like,
1: specialists. Sure. Um, Well, my first family doctor, she actually believed that there was nothing wrong with me. She Mm -hmm. thought it was a mental health issue, (laughs) uh, which was very offensive, but I was only 22, 23 at the time, and, you know... I can understand why she thought maybe I was too young for an actual systemic issue because that is a good young age. But um, I saw her, then I decided to change my general practitioner to a new one. She's who thought it was rheumatoid arthritis. And from there I saw two different uh, rheumatologists who also confirmed that diagnosis. And one of those rheumatologists, while he was investigating my joints and touching my body, unbeknownst to me he was actually checking trigger points as well along my body as he went and he's the one who identified that I had uh, fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. Um, so at least I got more answers from him even though he didn't necessarily double check the rheumatoid arthritis the way I would have wanted as well Mm -hmm. Um, but I was seeing him at a clinic four hours away so that wasn't very feasible and I needed to find someone in town So I saw a new rheumatologist here in town who looked at everything since I was a brand new patient Mm. and I wasn't being sent to him from a colleague. So he went through my entire history and determined, no, this doesn't look like rheumatoid arthritis to me. What doctor was it? You you recommend this doctor? I cannot remember his name. Mm. And while I'm thankful he got us on the right course, I would not recommend him. Mm because I actually was so shocked. It had been four years already being treated for rheumatoid arthritis. The moment I sat down and he came in, the first words out of his mouth were, hi, my name is Dr. So-and-so. By the way, I don't believe you have rheumatoid arthritis. There was no easing into it. No patient or interaction. My, right, my life had revolved already around my diagnosis. I had had a rheumatoid arthritis tattoo done, and so I started crying. Oh. I was really upset at what he was telling me, and he laughed at the fact that I was crying. Oh,
0: my God.
1: And I said, well, but this has been my life, and now you're telling me that my life is not true. It's a, it's a lie, so that's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Well, he thought that maybe I was just too emotional and was going to give me a moment Oh my God! Um, so no, I wouldn't suggest this doctor. No. Although he was right, he failed on understanding that while this was just an everyday appointment for him, it was my life that we were discussing. Mm. And I think that's a very important component in the doctor-patient relationship. Absolutely. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. I'm so
0: glad that you got diagnosed, and with your Crohn's disease, did that same doctor find out your Crohn's? Well, actually,
1: how the Crohn's disease diagnosis finally came out, um, I had an entire month where every meal I ate, I puked it up. Oh wow! I could not keep any food in, and I was beside myself. Um, and so we did some testing. We did a gastric dumping test, all different kinds. Mm-hmm. What they ended up discovering was I had Crohn's disease and my ileum, which connects your small intestine to your large intestine, had become so inflamed it was swelled shut, hmm. therefore no food was passing from small intestine to large intestine. Which is why no food was going through and I had to keep puking my food back oh up. It God. had nowhere to go. So that's how we discovered that. And then that made other things fall into place much better. Mm. <laughs> wow, you've been through hell and back, Shelly. <laughs> I know. didn't even
0: know this about
1: you. Yeah. And wow,
0: I'm just so glad that you eventually kind of know what's going on right now. Um, speaking of that, how did your like, How did you change your life and what adjustments did you have to make with your diagnosis?
1: Well, so the first thing that everyone is going to learn the hard way, you mourn yourself when you get diagnosed with something, especially when it's a condition that cannot be cured. Mm -hmm. You mourn the things you wanted to do and the things that you can't do now or that you think you can't do based on what you're being told. And I would say that is the most important part of anybody's journey is to allow yourself that. You have to go through that mourning process because even if you find a way to get yourself on track and leveled out and even you will never be the same person you were before and that's okay and you have to make that okay with yourself because stress and being depressed about the situation there are a lot of studies that show that stress actually exacerbates those things and it's a massive flare-up indicator for people so not stressing over who you were and embracing who you're becoming Is my best advice I can give to anybody well you know I thought I was actually the only person that dealt with that like the grieving who you were and just Mm -hmm. grieving and it's a grieving process yep and you have to do it some people will try to fight it and they'll try to fight to find ways to be their old selves I feel like that sets you up for feelings of failure and despair Versus realizing now you have to be somebody different and do things different. And then when you have those little successes is where you get that self-esteem back. Mm -hmm. And you get that sense of it's going to be okay. But as long as you fight that and you're still fighting to be who you were. And you're getting those little mini failures along the way. You'll keep feeling defeated and like things aren't going to get better. You won't see the little successes you might otherwise notice.
0: Is there anything that you recommend to people doing? Like, Is there... Something that you did to kind of like reinforce that, hey, I can't grieve this person. I'm, I'm a new person. You're a better person. You know what I mean? From having to deal with
1: everything. I think that's always going to be kind of an ongoing thing. And I don't think that there's one solution fits all. I think because people are so different in the way we're brought up, the way we view, the way we feel, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, but I will say that the most tremendous difference I've noticed in my life is that Taking the stress factor seriously and allowing myself proper recovery time and proper time to relax and not be stressed out, setting proper budgets so money doesn't worry you so much, and sticking to a schedule make all the difference. Those are great, like tips and advice,
0: because a lot of people just think, "Oh, like I don't, I can get less sleep, I can do this and this and this," and then just snowballs
1: affects and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm having a flare up!" Right. <laughs> and I used to be the same way until I started actually recognizing the pattern of mm-hmm. how my health was being affected, and it really does all make the difference. Yes, you yeah. have to do right by yourself, and not everyone's gonna understand that you may have limitations. So also teaching yourself how to communicate those limitations, especially if you're going into a group event or something like that, because there's going to be all kinds of different triggers that might be there. Mm -hmm. So just knowing yourself beforehand, how you would like to express, oh, well, I might not be able to indulge in that, but thank you. Or, you know, you got to learn to communicate properly and just let yourself rest. Right. Let yourself rest and like... Cherish the small victories. Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so tell me what a good and a bad day look like for you.
1: Well, my bad days are not the bad days they used to be. At my worst, I needed assistance walking. I couldn't shower. I buzzed my hair off because I couldn't hold brushes to brush my own hair. So, like, my worst used to be very bad. Now my worst looks more like I'll struggle with walking or standing. So I'll spend more of my time laying or sitting. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very tired. So being able to get proper sleep is a very big one for me. Um, My appetite, I don't know if a lot of people experience this, but my appetite is less when I have more pain. Mm -hmm. So... Making sure that I at least get some kind of nutrition nutritional sustenance mm-hmm. to make sure that my body has what it needs to heal, even if I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a good day, I would say, even on my best days, I'm probably at a level four with pain where other people would experience from the one to ten. I'm at most people's level four on a good day, mm-hmm. which means that it's not the easiest. But... I'm still walking okay those days. Um, My mind is clear and able to focus. I'm not so exhausted that I'm out of it. Um, I have a proper appetite those days. And I can socialize. I need to tailor how much I socialize in a week. Because even good stress is still stress to the body. The body does not know the difference. So (laughs) I have to tailor how much I do. But I can take care of those things. And also on a good day... I can catch up on some errands, which it always feels good to be able to say, wow, I accomplished that today. Exactly. uh, Yes. Right. (laughs) Give me a trophy. (laughs) I need my participation sticker. I love it. (laughs) You are so
0: funny. See, I just love you. You're so upbeat, and you just like to find, like, just the small things, you know, in life. And what do you feel like your disease has taught you so
1: far? Like the things you deal with. Patience. Patience Patience is huge. I don't know. Um, Because you have to have patience with yourself. A lot of times you don't have control over even your own body like you'd want to. So you have to have patience with yourself and be forgiving of yourself. Mm -hmm. You -hmm. need to have patience with other people. And bear in mind that they're not always going to remember that you can or can't. And you can't take offense or get upset about that. It's just because every human has so much going on in our minds. We're all worried about different things that... They're not always going to remember. So you have to have patience with other people. Patience when in public. Mm. Um, Strangers can be very judgmental. Yes. Um, I don't use my parking placard probably as often as I should for as difficult as walking can be for me. Mm. Because sometimes having that fight with someone in a parking lot mm. who doesn't know you mm. can be the extra stress that gives you a flare up for tomorrow. Yes. So um, yes. having patience in public is a big one. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> but I mean, really just, um, learning to love the new you. I feel like it's possibly like that for new mothers. I'm not a mother myself, but you know, your body goes through all these changes mm. and even though you might do really well and get close to what it was before, mm. a lot of women will explain, my body is not exactly as it was before. So I feel like maybe new mothers can understand that. It's just, you know, having patience for yourself and respecting the changes your body went through versus hating Ooh, them. That's
0: important, respecting. Yeah. I never even thought about respecting the changes. <laughs> and then my, Your body's going through hell,
1: but we're still here. We're still trying. Right. You know. And, you know, like I said, I got sick pretty young. Um, one of the things that really helped me keep my mentality positive through it was the average life expectancy of a woman would be about 76 years old. So let's say at 26, the age I was when I found out I had Crohn's 26 to 76, I'm not even halfway at 26 years old. So if I think for the next, what, what is that? Like two thirds of my life? Yeah is going to be miserable because I'm upset about what's happening to me at 26 or will the next two thirds of my life be okay and be better than I'm thinking they'll be because I'm in the present right now and as long as you remind yourself you've got a long way to go that is a very long time to be miserable and I don't think anybody actually wants to be miserable so the idea that I can't do two more thirds of my life in that mindset really helped me to focus myself on things that I could find tangible happiness in. Mm. You're giving goosebumps. <laughs> okay.
0: You are one of my favorite advocates for mental health, for you know health issues. And I just really appreciate that about you. And I just wanted to say thanks for doing that for I you the people. Aww. Is there a favorite thing about being an advocate? Because like, to me, you're an advocate. You're an amazing advocate. I'm not sure if you even consider yourself an advocate, but you
1: are an amazing advocate. I don't consider myself an advocate, but what I do keep in mind, um, I'm very open, as you know, about my struggles. And all anybody really has to do is ask me a question. I'm like, oh, sure, you got time? I'll tell you all about it. (laughs) And I think that's the best thing that I've done. um, Because when I was starting to get diagnosed, even when it was the misdiagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, I had never heard of this disease Mm -hmm. And I certainly didn't know anybody else who had it. Therefore I had nobody to ask and that I'm alone in this feeling is terrifying. Mm -hmm. It is terrifying. So I feel like the best thing that I've done has been very open about what I have, the different struggles, the different tests, all those things, because you never know which one of your friends might be the next one to be diagnosed, Mm -hmm. which one of their family members, something like that. And If they realize they can refer that person to me or that they can come to me themselves as somebody that they know has gone through it they don't have to put up with that extreme amount of fear that I initially experienced and I don't want anybody to ever feel like that. So I feel really good when people are like, hey, my cousin so-and-so, she just found out she's got this, and I think I remember you saying something about that. Can they message you? Of course they can. Boom, instant support right there. And I love that I'm able to do that.
0: And I feel like even in general, like, friendships can grow from that. Like, ours friendship has grown from that.
1: Absolutely, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and even, like, you and I, um, initially, you and I didn't have same diagnoses Mm -hmm. but at the same time since we both knew each other's struggles and the frustration with dealing with doctors or the frustrations with getting you know even if you just know your other friend that has chronic issues you can still commiserate you can still support all of those things you know you don't have to have Crohn's to understand me right I love it. this is a crap video. You're so funny. Okay, i got two
0: questions left. Okay. What would you like people to know about fibromyalgia and Crohn's disease?
1: Well, first of all, fibromyalgia has been named um, of the top six most painful experiences. <gasps> it even beat out having kidney stones. Ooh. Now, I don't know about anybody listening right now. I have had kidney stones. They are absolutely horrendous. And yet... I do believe I dealt with that pain better than most because I already had fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so for anybody who has had kidney stones out there and you remember that awful pain because, who is is it bad? then put that into perspective. Wow, it's actually listed as more painful than kidney stones. Mm. And I think if people can relate to what kind of pain it is and what severity it is, they'll have more of a kindness about the people that deal with it. Mm. Uh, So that's really something I would like people to know. And when it comes to Crohn's disease, it's more than just a pooping disease, you guys, okay? <laughs> yes, poop emojis are fun, and I have a co-worker who finds it endlessly fascinating to buy me poop-shaped things and bring them to work. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's really fun and really funny, Aww. but Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease, and there are many different types of autoimmune diseases out there. And, you know, yes, food affects Crohn's disease because... things are going through your digestive system, which is affected, but other things are affected too. So if you have a friend who has something of an autoimmune disease type, just really be patient with them and understand that if their disease affects their stomach, it's not just affecting their stomach. Mm. If they have one that affects their joints, believe me, it's not just affecting their joints. It's a a systemic problem and people need to understand that there's going to be a lot more than meets the eye to them. Oh yes, I love it. It's mm-hmm. so true. <laughs> and last but not
0: least, how uh-huh. can our listeners find you? Like, where are you on Instagram, Facebook? Anything that you want to tell
1: Well, I do have an Instagram. I'm maybe less um, less active there, mm-hmm. but I love to post my beauty looks and stuff yes. like that because. Even on the worst days when you feel horrible mm-hmm. and you don't want to get out of bed and you ain't showered and you're just like, "Oh, I'm funky." Well, at least I still have mm-hmm. some proof that I'm not always funky, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this girl can get dressed up, all right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm on Instagram, I am on Facebook. I'm pretty much an open book. Um When it comes to Facebook, I add most people as long as we've got friends in common and I Mm -hmm. can see where you come from. If a stranger wants to add me, let's say you're listening to this podcast and you've got one of these issues I've got, just send a message with your friend request saying, hey, I heard you on that podcast. I'll add you, no problem. Oh, yay. Do you you know your Instagram handle right now? Um, At Silky S-I-L-K-E-E. And on Facebook, I'm Shelly Silky as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Shelly. You look like a goddess today with your beat face, your makeup. Y'all <laughs> are on point. She's amazing. Please go follow her, you guys, and thank you so much for your time. Thank
1: you, Kim. Oh, thank I love you. you so much. I love you so much.
0: <laughs> you guys, Shelly is such a gem, and I just wanted to end this podcast with thanking her again thank you so much Shelly for being on my podcast you are wonderful you are an amazing amazing advocate and you guys please reach out to her if you have any questions or just want to be her friend because she is one badass woman she's fierce a queen in my eyes and I will forever look up to her You guys can find her on Instagram. Message me personally. Maybe if you don't have her on us as mutual friends. And just send her a message and let her know you saw the podcast. Okay, I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming to the Chronic Abilities Podcast. And we'll see you on the next one.